Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you have promised to meet with us this morning. Uh, for you tell us where two or more are gathered, you are there. And we know, Lord, that because you are here, all things are possible. And so we, be, we pray this morning that you would begin to move within us. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would begin to transform us. That you would be at work with, with uh, all that we say and do. That uh, those who come, uh, those who are here, those who will come, those, Lord, who we will meet when we go from this place might see that we've met with you and that we're different because of you. And we pray, Father, that as we worship you, you would receive all the praise and the glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from 2 Kings chapter 13. Have you ever felt desperate? In our scripture lesson this morning, the king is quite desperate. It goes like this. Now, Elisha was suffering from illness from which he died. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elisha died and was buried. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. I'm a little hesitant. Uh, uh, Brian and Lynette were supposed to be here this morning. Did anybody hear from Brian and Lynette? Okay. Uh, Well, Brian and Lynette Smith. Oh, yeah, by the way, it's Children's Church time, which is why the praise team is leaving. Oh, no. No. Oh, they're staying. Okay. (laughs) I just... I just figured praise team was going to Children's Church. They, did you notice they all leave at the same time? I, I just, you know, you, you kind of look out and say, oh, there they go. <laughs> no, I'm, <clears throat> I'm teasing. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, I don't see Brian and Lynette, but uh, please keep them in your prayers as they prepare to go uh, in country. They've, I think, completed most of their training at this point. So they're about ready to launch into um, their their mission field. So keep them in your prayers. Uh, If they do show up, 
um, at some point during the service. Uh, we hope to share with them during the Sunday school hour in here. If they don't show up, go to your Sunday school class <laughs> and uh, share together in that class together. And all the teachers are saying, oh, no, I don't have anything prepared because I thought we were going to meet in here. So, but it's a great time to fellowship and get to know each other. This morning, we want to talk about desperate times, desperate times. Have you ever felt desperate? I mean, you ever been right on the edge like, oh, no, you know, I got I to gotta finish this work by the end of the day and it's, there's too much to do, you know, or, or the kids are driving you nuts or or you just went to work and they told you you don't have a job anymore and you're you're desperate what do I do how am I going to pay the bills and you just have all these these things going on in your life and you get desperate and of course we all know that desperate times call for what desperate measures you bet so uh, Elaine Trayer is not here uh, and so Josh is by himself there she's on vacation and so Josh needed to to make some pizza and, you know, hey, you heat it up any way you can. Desperate times call for desperate measures. So you put it on the iron and you hit it with a... I love this picture. This just is too good. <laughs> oh, if you're truly desperate, you eat it cold. That's probably true, Kenny. Uh, <clears throat> desperate times call for desperate measures. We always say that. Um, but I'm, I'm concerned about what our desperate measures are. What do we do when we're desperate? You see, because I think sometimes it's in the midst of our desperateness that we make the wrong choices because we haven't been prepared for those moments when life is desperate. And folks, life will be desperate. The good news is that God gives us many examples, and this morning we're just going to talk about one of what we can do in the midst of our desperate times. So if you're desperate right now, you're here in the right time. If you haven't been desperate at all ever in your life, then you're here at the right time. And if you've been desperate and made wrong choices, you're here at the right time. And if you've been desperate and made right choices, I hope we can continue to encourage you to do so. Our, our nation, by the way, is facing some desperate times, isn't it? Boy, I'll tell you, uh, this has been a, a desperate week uh, for our nation, and, and I encourage you to pray for our nation uh, because uh, we have watched uh, just horrible things happen uh, in the name of one cause or another. And uh, unfortunately, um, we see bigotry and racism really raising its ugly head again in our country, and it saddens me, and um, it hurts me. Um, the good news, of course, is that we've seen this before in our nation, haven't we? Um, and God, up till now, has always raised up someone uh, to, to lead us in, in the path of God the right way to deal with the struggles in our nation. And, and I pray that God would do that. Because you see, our nation, uh, many in our nation decided that the way to deal with this desperate time is to take desperate measures. In other words, to justify their violence or their hatred for other people. And therefore, they justify their acts of violence and they justify the hatred in their hearts. And the sad part is when you make those choices in desperate times, when you make those choices where you decide that because I'm desperate, the only thing that really matters is me or my way or what I need, then you immediately have lost track of God's plan for your life. And you will begin to make choices that will lead you into more desperate times, I can guarantee you. 
So this morning, as we look at, at desperateness, uh, you know, you may be looking at what's going to happen this week, and you're feeling a little desperate. Uh, I love this guy with all the post-it notes. I could relate sometimes. Uh, there's just way too much to do, and there's way too little time. And I'm feeling desperate this morning. I hope that you can grab hold of something that will help you make better choices this week. Now, sometimes we're desperate not just at work, but sometimes we're desperate in relationships. Our relationships are struggling. We find ourselves grasping for straws, and we end up in a desperate situation. Uh, and sometimes in our physical being, right, or our emotional being, we find ourselves desperate. I, I know um, last week we had a, a couple people, one person in the church uh, who um, got word that he had nodules on his lungs, and there was that immediate response, right? Oh, no. What if? You, you, have you ever been there? Um, when those those uh, physical results come back, um, how are you going to respond? It, when it gets desperate, how do you respond in the midst of desperate times in your lives? Well, King Jehoash in, in our scripture this morning knows what desperation is all about. You see, the Aramean army is knocking at his door. Um, the people of Israel, of course, have been rejecting God, and King Jehoash uh, has been uh, has been no better. Uh, he, he has walked away from God. He has led the people away from God. He hasn't been about God at all. He has worshipped other gods. He has built other asterisk poles, which are poles to another god. Uh, he has set up altars in places uh, that shouldn't be. Uh, he, he hasn't followed God at all. Not at all. He's, uh, the Scripture says he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father did. Uh, he, he wasn't a good king. He wasn't a king that said, hey, you know, if we listen to God, we'll find our way through. No, he's in desperate times because he has been walking away from God. And so he finds himself in this desperate time. And, and I just want you to hear a little bit about how desperate it really is because you may not have caught this, but it is so desperate that Jehoash, when he, when he counted his horsemen, he only had 50. 50. I mean, that's about, what, not even half of the number of people we have here this morning. Fifty people on horses. That's it. He only has ten chariots. Now, you have to understand, a chariot was like the, the um, ultimate weapon of the day. He's only got ten. I mean, that's like, you know, almost not having any at all. And when it comes to soldiers, he only has 10,000. In all of Israel, 10,000. And the Aramean army is huge. And it's got him on the ropes. He's in desperate situation. They're knocking on the door. What's he going to do? Where's he going to turn? And in desperation, Jehoash runs to Elijah. Oh, now there's an idea. You see, when it got real tough, he decided, well, maybe I should talk to, to God. So he runs to Elisha. Now, Elisha was the prophet of the day. And when I say the prophet, I mean the prophet. Not that there weren't other prophets in Israel, but Elisha was the prophet. He'd, take, he'd taken on the position after Elijah left. You remember we talked about Elijah last week? And so Elisha is the man to go to if you want to hear from God. And so he runs to Elijah. 
And he recognizes that, that Elisha is the representative of God. So he's hoping that Elisha can help. So he yells at him, my father, my father. Now wait a minute. You have rejected God. You've ignored God. You've walked your own way. And you find yourself in the midst of this desperate time. And now, all of a sudden, you're calling Elijah your father. Well, he does that because he sees Elijah as an elder in Israel, an elder who has faith. And so he turns to him. And, and just, just an aside, you know, we talk about being neighbors. And one of the things you can do as a neighbor is be prepared because there are those in your neighborhood. You remember Jesus, the, the lawyer asked, who is my neighbor? And we found out it's whomever God puts in your path, right? So there are those in your neighborhood. There are those that God will put in your path who will come to you and say, hey, I'm in desperate times. Would you pray for me? Now, how will they know that you will pray for them? How will they know? They have to, okay, they have to trust you to do that. They have to believe you'll do that. But how do they know that you would even think to do that? But, what's that? They've seen you do it before. Very good, yes. Or they've seen you in contact with God. They know that you have a relationship with the living God. They've seen God at work in your life. I love it during our prayer times when someone says, hey, I, I was talking to so-and-so and they asked if we would pray for them. Praise God. Love to pray for them. Because you as a neighbor have made contact with someone and they've seen Christ in your life enough to know that they could ask you. And so we pray for them and we believe that God's at work in their lives. And sure enough, and hear me, if you've walked away from God, don't be afraid to come back. You notice Elijah doesn't say to Jehoash, well, it's about time. I mean, look at the way you've been acting. You let all of Israel astray. No wonder you're in the position you're in. You deserve to be in the position you're in. Furthermore, why should I even think to help you? Elijah doesn't say any of those things. Listen, brothers and sisters, God doesn't say those things. God's not looking for a way to punish you. God's looking for a way to draw you into His presence, into His grace, and into His love. He loves you very much. And so when He finds you in desperate times, when you turn to Him in desperate times, He hears you and He responds. The question will be, how will you respond? Jehoash says to Elijah, or Elisha, the, the power of Israel, or the horses and chariots of Israel. Did you hear that? The horses and chariots of Israel. I think that's interesting. You see, uh, Jehoash recognizes that he's hanging on by a thread. And what's neat is he sees that in Elisha there is power that he doesn't have. He doesn't have chariots and horses. But do you know God does? God has chariots and horses and, and strength and power and courage in the midst of the desperate times, God has what you need. And Elijah welcomes Jehoash into his room. Elijah who's dying. Elisha should be saying, leave me alone. I'm done. 
Not Elisha. You remember last week, Elijah? Elijah was ready to throw in the towel. Not Elisha. Elisha's ready to serve. And in his last days, here comes Jehoash. And Elisha says, let's go to God. Let's go to God. So I want you to see how God responds in desperate times. Because Elisha walks Jehoash through it. You with me? Don't get lost. Don't get lost. Stick with me, okay? Well, I'll tell you what. I don't know what you guys had for breakfast, but it must have been a lot of carbs. <laughs> Pastor Scott used to call this the donut service, you know, glazed. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not sure where we're at this morning, but some of you just uh, stick with me. You, you'll get there. I know you will, because in about 10 minutes you're going to wake up. We'll be good. All right. So, so what do we do in desperation? When we, fit, when we face desperate times, how can we respond? We have a God for desperate times. This is awesome. You ready? First of all, Elisha says, take the bow and shoot the arrow. Now you say, oh, big deal. He shot the arrow. You need to understand what, what this means in that culture, okay? When Elisha shoots the arrow, or not Elisha, when Jehoash uh, shoots the arrow, what that means is that he is starting the battle, when you shot the arrow, and notice he shot it to the east, that's where Aram is. When you shoot the arrow, that means you're engaging the battle. You see, Jehoash is scared, and in the midst of his desperation, he has pulled in all his forces, and he's standing there shaking. And God says, don't stand there and shake. Go get him. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, God. You don't get it. I'm overwhelmed. God says, yeah. So, step out. Begin to work. Start doing it. Jump in. Be proactive. Don't wait for it to come to you. Instead, you go to the battle. And that's interesting because then Elisha yells. I, I, this is an exciting story. Don't you get it? Elisha, shows, Elisha yells out, The arrow of victory! And Jehoash is saying, What do you mean? I just started something and what am I going to do now? <laughs> And Elijah is saying, God's got the victory. It's all over. You, you won. Wouldn't that be great? Think about it. You get out on the football team. The Cleveland Browns step out on the football team. And the referee says, you've won. Could be the only way it happens. If you're a Browns fan, I apologize this morning. But um, Hey, it's a new year. You never know, right? You never know. Wouldn't that be awesome to know in advance that you win? To know that, that in advance that God has already brought the victory? You see, when Elisha tells him to shoot that arrow, he says, get involved, jump involved, and I want you to know that God is going to bring you victory. Now, one of the problems that happens when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel desperate, we tend to become immobile. And in that moment, God is saying, step out in faith because you see, I am going to bring the victory. One of my favorite stories in Scripture is the Battle of Jericho. Uh, and if you don't know that story, I just want to give you the highlights real quickly. But uh, Joshua runs into the commander of the Lord's army and he gets the battle plan and it's the weirdest battle plan you ever heard. I mean, Jericho has, has walls 10 feet thick. This is a big, major fortress and the battle plan is to march around the thing every day. 
And then the last day to march around ten times, blow the horns, and the wall fall down. Yeah, right. Now that's the strangest battle plan I've ever heard. But what's really important about that whole story is that the commander of the Lord has already been to Jericho and says to Joshua, the battle is yours. It's already done. So you see, no matter how weird the battle plan, it didn't matter because God has already told Joshua that that he's going to win. Now Joshua could have gone back and said, hey, God said we're going to win, so we'll just sit here and wait. And he never would have seen the victory of God. He had to step out in faith and watch as God provided the victory. As he marched around, as they marched, as they blew the trumpets, as, they, as the walls came out. I, that's just an awesome story. I'm sorry. You guys, you, you got to see that, that story is incredible. Erwin McManus says, you know, the, the one with the best story wins. <laughs> and I think there's truth to that. Jesus has the best story ever. Because you see, Jesus has already brought the victory. Listen very carefully. When you are most desperate, you need to know that if you put your trust in God, He's already brought the victory. You see, even if you're like Elijah, lying on your deathbed, Elijah didn't have to worry because he knew when he died, as a matter of fact, he had seen Elijah go into glory without even dying. He knew where he was headed. He needed not to be afraid. He didn't have to feel desperate. Because he knew where he was headed, and he knew God would bring the victory. So he could step out in faith, and as he stepped out in faith, he saw God do incredible things. You see, in the midst of desperation, as you continue to serve God, as you continue to follow Him and put your trust in Him, you'll find that there's an assurance coming to you from God's Word. Because He's already won the victory. Now, there are 600 verses I could give you that tell you that God is with you, that God loves you, and that God, God is going to bring the victory. So I just want to share one with you, okay? It comes from 1 Corinthians 15. And this is what, what Paul writes. He says, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I mean, you could, you could base your life on that, couldn't you? God always brings the victory. Now, that didn't mean that Jehoash didn't have to fight the battle. Be very clear. There was going to be some tough times. It was going to be hard. And if you're in a desperate place, there's going to be hard times. I'm not telling you they're not hard times. What I'm telling you is step out in faith and believe in the victory. And once you have that assurance, the, the desperation begins to fade away. You with me? So we want to live assured Live an assured life. Because God has promised. And when God promises, God fulfills God's promises. We've seen it here over and over and over again. One of the things I like about the people of Israel is that they see God do great things and the next time they find themselves in a struggle, they wonder if God's going to come through. Isn't that kind of strange? No. It's not, because that's the way we live, right? We see God do something great, and we celebrate that, and we praise Him, and then we face the next struggle, and we feel desperate. What's God going to do? I'm in a mess. God, don't you know I'm in a mess? Yeah, God knows you're in a mess. But God, it's overwhelming. God, I need you. Yeah, I'm right here. But God, what if? I'm right here. The victory is already won. 
Just step out. You watch. And that's the desperation. You need to live assured. Secondly, I want you to see that Elisha puts his hands on King Jehoash's hands. Now, we read that quickly, and oh, so what? So he put his hands on there. Well, listen very carefully, because when someone puts their hand, you ever have somebody put their hands on your hands? That happens when we're in love, isn't it? Ah, yes. And we hold hands. Um, but you know what I like? I like it when little kids hold hands. Not because they're in love, but because they're going together, right? Because they, they, they don't want to be alone. They, they grab hands, so they go together. Now, we kind of teach them that because we don't want them to run off by themselves, so we kind of encourage them. They grab the person's next to your hands, and we'll walk in a line. We, we see that over and over again. But that's important for them to know that in this world, they're not alone. And it was for, important for Jehoash to understand that he's not alone. You see, one of the things that happens in our desperation is we begin to get inside ourselves and we, we lose track of what's happening. Who's there with us? One of the important things about coming to worship is to know that you're not alone. There are other people who stand with you. And we'll encourage you and we'll walk with you and we'll pray for you and we'll go through this together. When you're in a desperate time, come to us and we'll be ready to grab your hand and we'll pray together because we know that God cares and loves you, cares for and loves you and cares for and loves us. And together we can make it. One of the problems in our country right now is that we've decided we can make it on our own. We're going to be our own little group. And the truth of the matter is, if this nation is divided, it, it is not as strong, is it? People are strong when they come together. People of God are strong when they come together. Because then together we stand with God. And as we stand with God, things begin to change. And even in our desperation as we stand for God, we begin to feel that peace come into our lives. And if we could stand for God, then you would begin to see the desperation begins to fall, fall away. And if we could stand with one another, standing for God, it would make all the difference in the world. You see, Psalm 20 puts it this way. Some trust in horses, and, or chariots, and some trust in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, frequently in the midst of desperation, all we see is what we can or we can't do. But if in the midst of desperation we would stand with God, we would be reminded what God can do. And the Scripture is clear. There's nothing impossible for God. People of Israel were desperate. You see, they were oppressed by the Roman government. Brutally oppressed by the Roman government. And so God saw their desperation. This is what He did. He sent His angel to meet with a young lady named Mary. You remember that? This is the best story in the world. And, and he, he says, this angel says to Mary, you're going to have a baby. And Mary's like, no way. <laughs> I'm a young woman. I, I, I don't have a husband. Uh, that's not happening. I'm paraphrasing now, right? And the angel says, oh yes, God's going to give you a child and that child is going to be the Savior 
of the world. In the midst of the desperation, God had heard. And God sent them a a Savior, someone to lead them out of that oppression. You say, well, wait a minute. She had the baby. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose again from the dead. But they were still oppressed. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, the Romans thought they were oppressing them. But all of a sudden they were free because they were free inside. Once you become free inside, then you begin to stand with God and incredible things happen. All you have to do is read the book of Acts. And you, ask, you tell me those are people who are oppressed. Peter and John walking along. Here's a guy, lame. Cries out to them for money because that's how he made money, right? He's begging. And Peter and John look at him and say, well, we don't have much money. <laughs> Must have been Baptist. Uh, we don't have much money, but what we have, we offer you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And the guy said, why did I even ask for money? <laughs> and he got up and walked. You see, that's the God we serve. How can you be desperate when you serve a God for which all things are possible? You start standing with Him and you begin to feel the desperation just begin to fall off your shoulders. You know, people who are desperate because of financial struggles. You may be desperate because you're financially in deep doo-doo this morning. That's a, a religious word. <laughs> I want you to hear something. Okay, listen very carefully. God is able. Stand with God. Begin to follow God's principles for your finances. And the one of the best ways to do that is to find a Dave Ramsey class and start taking that class. And you'll begin to feel the desperation fall away. Dave Ramsey tells a wonderful story. I, I love this story. Uh, when, when he had bill collectors calling him, you see, he's been through it. That's why he knows how to help you through that. And, and he, he had the bill collectors calling. Uh, and so he, what, what, what's, what was he going to do? So he sat down and he set his priorities. According to the Word of God, he set his priorities. So he made sure he, he was faithful to God. He made sure he, he covered his housing expenses. And, and he went down, and, it, and he, he listed all his bills based on priorities, God's priorities. And then, and then he looked at how much money he had, and he went down the list. And when he got, ran out of money, he drew a line. And he said it was the best thing he ever did. Because he said when... He felt desperate, and a tax, or not a tax, when a uh, uh, debt collector would call, he would say, Oh, wait a minute, let me look. And he'd pull out his list. And he'd look down, he'd say to the debt collector, Oh, sorry, you're below the line. The debt collector would say, What what do you mean I'm below the line? He says, Well, so I only have so much money, and I drew a line where the money runs out, and you're below the line. You see, he didn't have to fight with a guy about you know, whether or not, he, where before he would try to pay a little bit, pay a little bit, pay a little bit. Now he kept track of those, and when God was faithful, and when he saw God's victory, and he had extra money, he paid those people back. He didn't, he didn't welch on his debt. He paid those people back. But in the end, when, when, when it was all said and done, if you were below that line that month, you didn't get paid. So he said, one debt collector asked him, so how do I get above the line? <laughs> It's a great question. 
Um, and, and, and so you see, you see how when he began to put his trust in God, when he began to, to put his trust in the, in the chariots and horses of God, instead of in his own ability, his own resources, he began to realize that he could stand without desperation and know that in the end God would provide. Now what's neat about our congregation and many others, but in particular ours, if you find yourself in such a place as that, we have a bunch of people who care for you and love for you right here. And so if you come to us, if we can help, sometimes we can even help a little financially to get you back on track. And we're willing to do that. We have people who regularly give to what's called the Deacon's Fund to try to help you back on track because we want what's best for you. Or you may have an emergency come up and you're saying, hey, I'm not going to be able to pay for that. And, and you're saying, but i got to do this. You know, for instance, uh, you know, a death in the family. Um, and, and you may be saying, well, how, how am I going to pay to, to take care of this? Well, come to us and, and we'll help all that we can. Now, I'm not saying we're going to pay the whole thing. I'm saying we're going to help. And all of a sudden that desperation, you see, you see what I'm saying? All of a sudden that desperation begins to fall away. Why? Because we stand together and we stand with God. So if you want to overcome desperation, live assured and stand united. Don't try to go it alone. Get with someone, pray with someone, and remind each other that God is still on the throne. Jehoash goes to Elijah. Can you imagine the difference he felt after talking to Elijah? Knowing that the, God was going to give the victory, knowing that Elijah was going to stand with him, grabs his hands, here we go, God's on our side, it's going to be okay. Isn't that awesome? And finally, Elijah says, now strike the ground with the arrows. Um, I had this great image for years that, that he grabbed the arrows out of the quiver and he slammed them on the ground. Uh, but most commentaries suggest that what, they really, what he really does is he begins to shoot them. Shoot them one after the other on the ground. Well, I don't know why he only did it three times. And quite frankly, I wonder why Elisha didn't tell him to do it more than three times. If you want me to do it more than three times, tell me, okay? Um, but I do find it's interesting that after three times he stops, and I don't know why. I'd love to know why. Did he feel foolish? Well, this is kind of dumb, just shooting arrows at the ground. And what good is that? There's work that's got to be done. Or, or maybe, maybe it's not a foolish act. Maybe he's just uh, feeling afraid, you know. Well, okay, so I, I've shot these arrows. Now what's going to happen next? Or maybe it's just a lack of faith. Obviously, he had to know that there had to be some symbolic imagery going on here. Why would he tell him to strike the ground with arrows? So why didn't he? Why didn't he step out? Why didn't he step out in faith? What held him back? You know, it's interesting, the Elisha story. If you follow the Elisha story, this is a common theme. Did you ever notice that? Uh, you, you remember when Elisha ran into the woman uh, who, who uh, was running out of bread and, and he said, go and collect all the jars you can collect. You remember that? Collect all the jars you can collect, he says, and pour that last little bit of oil you have into one of the jars and keep filling jars until the oil runs out. 
And she began to pour, and she had collected jars, and she had collected a lot of jars because she believed Elijah and that God was going to do more than she ever thought would happen. So she starts to pour, and all of a sudden it pours, and one jar is full, and then the next jar is full, and the next jar is full. Now she's getting excited, and she's pouring the next jar, and the next jar, and the next jar. Now all of a sudden she believes that God is going to meet all her needs, so she pours the next jar, and the next jar. And now she has more than she needs, and she could stop, but she's got more jars so she keeps pouring and then she says to her son bring another jar mom we're out of jars and the oil stops just think if she'd only gotten two jars that would have been it but you see she understood that God has even more for her Jehoash didn't understand that God had more for him he wanted what was just good enough. Do you live your life good enough? I know a lot of people live their life, ah, oh, that's good enough for me. Ah, that's good enough for me. Those words sometimes drive me nuts. Because, see, God wants more than good enough for you. He's got more than you could ever imagine. Forget that slide. I'm, I'm way behind. <laughs> One of the reasons we don't have is because we don't ask. I think that's interesting. Um, we, we, we only strike the ground three times instead of really going to God and asking. Have you ever prayed for something once or twice and said, oh, I guess God doesn't want me to have it? Don't stop. Don't stop. Unless God says no, don't stop. Keep asking. James tells us you do not have because you do not what? Ask, ask who? God. Yeah, don't stop. Don't quit. I had a, a buddy in high school. Um, I'd known him since, uh, I don't know, probably sixth grade. I prayed for him, prayed for him, prayed for him. Took him to church. It was fun to take him to church because he didn't understand church at all. He'd never been to church before. And, uh, they passed the plate. When the plate came to him, he said, that's okay, Dave, I'll pay this time. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so, well, that's not what it's all about, buddy. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, and and we, we had a great relationship, and I prayed for him, and I talked to him about Jesus every chance I got. And sometimes he got tired of it, and I had to back off. But, but we spent a lot of time together, a lot of time together. Uh, loved the man. Um, so from sixth grade until 12th grade, and we're getting ready to graduate, and I'm thinking, you know, he'll go one way, I'll go another by the way, I found out he's a dentist in Arizona. <laughs> I, I, I talked to him once in the last, I don't know, 40 years, I think. <laughs> but his senior year of high school, he finally came to me one day and he says, Dave, now I know what you were talking about. So what do you mean? I figured he was talking about my philosophies. Or, no, he says... I gave my life to Jesus yesterday. I said, Satish, I'd almost given up. Almost given up. And God touched him. Why do we give up so quickly? God's not done. Don't give up. In the midst of your desperation, don't give up. God has even more than you could even think or imagine. Strive for more. Don't do just enough. 
Do mu- do, don't, don't try to just do good enough. Try to reach out and see what God could do in His fullness in your life. When you run into a situation that seems impossible, stand up and say, it's impossible. Praise God. I serve a God who does the impossible. And don't give up. Because see, God has even more for us than we would ever ask for or imagine. I love this verse. He's able to do immeasurably more than we than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is work at work within us. You see, when we settle for just enough, we miss the power of what God's going to do. And in the midst of our desperation, we are tempted to take just enough or to imagine just enough or to hope just enough or to get by just enough. But I'm convinced that in those desperate times, those are the times when God wants to do even more. That's why He's made us or put us in that desperate moment so that we can see His victory. The Israelites left Egypt. Wow, incredible. Wow, God got them out of Egypt. Remember the ten plagues? And the death of the firstborn was the last plague. They go out and, and they, they wander a little bit and they get to the Red Sea. You remember this story? They're at the Red Sea. Big water, lots of water. Word comes from the back of the ranks that the Egyptian army is catching up. This isn't good, folks. And a desperation begins to break out amongst the Israelites. And Moses, the leader, poor Moses. Now what are we going to do? (coughs) Moses cries out to the Lord. The Lord says, what is that in your hand? Raise that staff. He raises the staff, splits the water. and That's incredible. Now, my guess is the Israelites would have settled for boats. You know what I'm saying? Um... You know, just uh, uh, 6,000 life rafts would be good. But God had something so much more in mind. Because you see, in that moment, God defeated the Egyptian army. And the Israelites didn't have to raise a finger. And they didn't have to respond in anger or in hatred. They just had to be faithful to God and follow Him through. How do you respond in desperate times? My prayer is that you would be prepared for the next desperate time. And that you would sit down and say, I serve a God who is able and who has already won the victory. He promised that for me. I will continue to step out in faith for Him. I pray that the next time you find yourself in a desperate time, you would find a brother or sister in Christ and say, would you pray for me? And that together you would get on your knees and go to the God who hears and answers our prayer. And that that friend, that brother or sister in Christ would remind you that God is able and He's walking with you. And if you needed any extra, that that friend would come to the people of God, whether it's here or wherever you find yourself, and meet that need as God works in powerful ways. My prayer is that you wouldn't settle for just a little. 
that you would strike that ground as many times as you can, believing that God hears and answers and has something even more exciting. See, when we're desperate, that's when God comes through in the most incredible ways. I'm not saying look for a desperate moment. I'm saying when it comes, be prepared. And pray for our nation. Because this could be a moment where great things could happen. If we could share with others what God could do in this moment. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Almighty God, thank You that You bring the victory in our lives. Forgive us where we fail You. Teach us to rely upon You. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing desperate times right now. We pray that You'd surround them with Your presence, that they would experience You, that they would stand for You, that they would see You do great things. Lord, maybe someone here this morning finding themselves struggling, we pray that You would touch them and even now begin to move in their lives and remind them, Lord, of Your assurance that You bring the victory, that they can trust in You. Lord, help them to reach out, that we might reach out to them as well that together we might stand. Lord, may they see Your victory. May they trust You long enough and and with enough strength to see You come through in a powerful way. Lord, we pray for those who this morning have never said yes to You and find themselves in desperation and have nowhere to turn. This morning, Lord, may they turn to You. May they see in their lives that they have nowhere else and that You provide all the answers they need if they would just open their hearts to You. We pray this morning, Lord, that they would say yes to You. Walk into Your presence and find Your peace. We pray, Father, this morning uh, for those who this week will face uh, challenges that they did not expect. Prepare them even now, Lord, that we might step out from here and show the world Your incredible love, Your incredible grace, Your incredible power. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.